Church, we, if you call yourself a Christian this morning, we believe some absolutely crazy things. Like, have you just listed, thought about the insanity of the things that we believe? Like, when you vocalize them, and if somebody else were to hear you say these things, you would go, oh, this feels a little weird. Right? So, like, what do we believe? We believe that the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who uh, was eternally pre-existent, became flesh, took on flesh, became a man. Right? Okay, so that's a little crazy. That he was born of a virgin. And how did that happen? Well, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Uh, And then what did he do? Well, he came and he performed miracles. He cast out evil spirits. We're up to like, what, five or six now? He died and performed a cosmic level atonement for sins. Right? We believe that. Okay, so uh, he then after uh, he died, the Father sent the, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus to life. Right? That's insane. Okay, and then after he raised to life, he appeared to like something like 500 people. And then after he appeared to 500 people, he then ascended into the clouds of heaven. Okay, uh, and then he gave a promise uh, that he was coming back. Right, that he was going to return. And then in his returning, as, as the disciples saw him lifted up, the angel said, in the same way that you saw him go up, he's going to come back. Meaning when he returns, he's going to come back on the clouds of heaven. And then on top of that, so he now ascends, he's ascended, and he sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, the third person of the Trinity, now with us, present in us, helping us to see and understand the things that God would desire to see us and uh, to us to see and understand, and he came to bring us to life. That's nuts. That is insane. Like, imagine being in a conversation. It is true. Yes, absolutely. Imagine being in a conversation with somebody, and they ask, well, you know, what, do, what does your faith believe? And you just rattle off for them the list. How would that go? How do you think that would go, right? So, so that is, that's like the core, like all of that, that is what we believe. We believe some crazy things. So I want you to hold on to this thought for a second, because we're now, we're going to come back to that list, and we're going to add a few things to it once we uh, finish up here. So do you ever stop and think, what might not be true in my life if I had never met Jesus? What might not be true in my life if I didn't meet Jesus? Have you ever like thought about this? Have you ever examined this reality in your life? Like, so let's talk about Alex for a second. Uh, Alex, if Alex didn't meet Jesus, what would be true about Alex? Let's start with just myself. Um, I probably, if I don't meet Jesus, I probably never really develop emotional stability, right? I'm just kind of insecure all the time because I don't have a place for my security to rest. Uh, I probably never end up finding great purpose for my life if I never meet Jesus. About the best thing I can do is hope to chase after what I want. I'm not saying this is the case for everybody. I'm telling you about Alex. Like, this is what happens to Alex. Alex probably never moves uh, beyond regular impulse indulgence, which has both uh, financial implications for me and what would end up being in my life, and then also uh, has just implications for the kinds of things that might take place, like addiction or further things like that, right? So that's, that's something else that might happen. I might not 
Actually, I actually wouldn't be able to own the promises of God as an anchor for my soul. So that when all of life might be falling apart, when I feel like things are leaving my grasp, there is still something that is always true about me, regardless of the circumstances of my life. Like, I wouldn't know what it means to pray and have God hear me. And like, I wouldn't actually even have the fruit of those prayed prayers worked out in my life, right? So that's all, uh, that's all what wouldn't be the case about myself. Let's talk about the people around me. All the places that I've served and ministered, I would never go to those places. So whether they were small impact or big impact, it wouldn't matter because I never did them, which means that the seeds of faith that I may have sown in my life never actually get scattered. Um, words that I've spoken under the influence of the Holy Spirit to either encourage somebody or affirm somebody or uh, challenge somebody. Number one, I never get the experience of seeing the Holy Spirit work through me in that way. Number two, some of those words were actually spoken at really unique times and important times that the, the, the Spirit of God was using those moments. That never happens. Those moments never get used. And then here's something that hits particularly close to home. All of my parents, they came to Jesus because of my faith journey. My parents and my brother, my, whole, my, my nuclear family came to Jesus because of my faith journey. Not that I said or spoke anything in particular, but if, if I didn't meet Jesus, then what that means is that right now my brother and my father serve on an elder board in another church in, in uh, southeastern Iowa, which means that they're never serving together in that way. They're never pursuing Jesus in that way. And then there are some really objective things that this means. It means that uh, I would have to bear the weight of responsibility for my sin before a holy and just God, and that would make me an enemy of God when all things like hammer out at the end and then add to that, probably my mom, my dad, and my brother. Like, and because my parents met Jesus, let's be clear, Jesus healed their marriage. Like, they are married today because they met Jesus, so they probably wouldn't be married today either. So all of those things would not be true about me if I had not met Jesus but the amazing thing is, like, thank the Lord that I met Jesus, right? Like, life in Jesus has given me so much that I never would have received otherwise. So much that I never could have received otherwise. Now, like, is that to say that if I never met Jesus, like, my life would just be a miserable wreck? Like, when I look at a, a comparison, I might say, well, yeah, maybe. But in reality, like, I, I would probably have a fairly normal life in comparison to people around me. Like, I could be happy pursuing my own desires, right? Or at least think that I'm happy. But if that whole list of things about Alex is not true, then my life, my relationships, the, uh, and, and then my eternity are all objectively in a worse place. But I meant Jesus. So, uh, so if Alex is, you know, living his life, uh, pursuing some other goal, hoping in some other future, clinging to another set of promises, then none of those things become true. So John 10, verses 7 through 11, this is what it says. Verse 7 says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not 
listen to them. He says, thieves and robbers, he, there's a chance he's either talking about the Pharisees or the, the false messiahs of the day, right? Like these are all true, but they're all people who are purporting another end of your life, another goal to live for, another purpose that you can pursue. And Jesus says all of them, all of the other goals, all the other objectives, they are all thieves and robbers. They're trying to take something from you. They, you might believe that they are for you, but they are not for you. So verse nine, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus says, you know what? They came to steal, but I came to save. I came to provide something that they could not provide. I am offering something. You might, and then the, the idea of salvation in the Gospel of John up to this point, you know he's talking about you do not have to face condemnation for your sins. You can find salvation and new life in me. This is what he is talking about. They will be saved if they come to me. So verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. All those things that are true about me now and all the things that will be true about me in the future because I met Jesus, that is abundant life. The stuff that Jesus has wrought in my soul and all of you with your stories of following Jesus, the things that are now true about you because you follow Jesus and you have allowed him to to live out his new life in your lives, those things are true because Jesus offers abundant life. Because I met Jesus, Jesus is renovating my life. So that, that means that, like, right now, I'm by no means perfect. Anybody who's worked with me will be able to convey that to you as well. But with Jesus, I have so much that my own pursuits would never be able to offer me. Because people introduced me to Jesus, because people led me to Jesus, Jesus is now renovating my life. He has converted me. He has saved me. He has, he's in this process of changing me. Now, you all could probably come up with your own list of things, especially if you've given this question any consideration. What, what might not be true about my life if I didn't follow Jesus? Okay, so, so now go back. So Jesus brings about abundant life in our life. So now go back to that first list, that list of crazy beliefs that I gave to you. We're gonna add a couple of items on the end of that list. So John chapter 20. Now fast forwarding all the way to the end of the Gospel of John. Jesus has risen from the dead. He is with his disciples. And this is what it says. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so am I sending you. So Jesus came into this world for a purpose. We read earlier that he came to give abundant life. And then Jesus says to his followers at the end of the gospel, I am now sending you for the same purpose for which I came. You are going out to do the very same thing that I came for. So, so he's essentially saying, you, you're being renovated. You're getting abundant life right now. You have to go and help renovate others. Right? Like that's the task that you're being given. So, uh, so then verse 22, when he said this, 
he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So he sends them for a task, he gives them a task that they're going to do, and then he sends the helper, God the Holy Spirit, to live in them and empower them for that task. To give them everything that they would need to be those who would extend abundant life to others. So here's crazy belief, number like 15 or something like that. Every Jesus follower has everything needed to compellingly introduce others to their renovating Savior. Every Jesus follower has everything needed right now to compellingly introduce others to their renovating Savior. This means that you have everything needed right now to compellingly introduce others to your renovating Savior. Uh, I've heard other leaders and teachers say it like this. If the Christian movement were to die tonight and you were the only Christian left on earth, you would have everything resident in you to restart the Christian movement. It would all be there. You would have the message of Jesus, which does not change. You would have the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you, and you you would have God drawing people to faith in Jesus. So that's crazy belief number 15, crazy belief number 16. The church, being a community of Jesus followers, we, Alliance Bible Church, have everything we need right now to be a people who would spark renovation in our community. We have everything we need right now. Our elders, as we have been talking, like there are are ideals and there, there are things that we are grasping for, but one thing we are acknowledging and one thing that we're talking about even pursuing, we cannot talk about pursuing these realities if we don't already currently believe that right now we have everything we need to spark renovation in our community. Church, Jesus sends the church to be a renovation people. This is what we exist for. So, so this is a, a people among whom we all are constantly being renovated, but also it means that we are constantly introducing others to our renovating Savior. The church is this uh, people among whom that we are constantly like seeing others receive the life that he has to offer and then becoming a part of his people. So Jesus' work in the world right now like in between this time where he has ascended and we're waiting on him to come back, Jesus' work in the world right now is this work of renovation. He is bringing new life. And you know what? For some reason, he chooses to use people to be the ones to extend that work. So we're here this morning. Our elders are here this morning because four months ago, our elders began focusing in on a core question. If Jesus actually got his way in Bartlett, how would our church be different? If Jesus actually got his way in this place that we live and exist, how would our church be different? And that's the question that brings us in front of you this morning. So our elders are up here. Uh, I'm going to make Phil apparate on the screen. Everybody say hi, Phil. Wave at Phil. Phil, can you hear us? Okay, can we hear him? That's the next thing to figure out. We've got nothing. Yeah, well, that's, are you muted? Yes. There we go. Try again. 
Okay, happy uh, day, everybody. There we go. It's good to see you. Thank you, Phil. So Phil is going to kind of lead off our discussion this morning. And um, so, Phil, would you talk to us a little bit about our mission field and some of the, the realities that we are dealing with as a church? Well, first of all, good morning, church. It's wonderful to be with you. You probably all recognize me. I have new glasses on. <laughs> I bought those on the internet. That's how we do everything on the internet. We get our food through the internet. We visit our daughter, Joy, in Colorado on the internet. Our son in Milwaukee on the internet. Uh, that's because we have been isolating. We haven't been with you in church for a year. And we're keeping ourselves isolated so that we can protect a couple of very vulnerable members of our family. And uh, that way we can go and, and be with them and not carry to them this horrible uh, COVID virus. But we worship you every Sunday. We're very thankful for the worship team, the technology team back there. You guys, gals, are doing a great job. Thank you so much. I've been able to meet with the men's Bible study every every other week. I'm so happy I can meet with the elders a couple times a month. So we're still a part of part of our church family. Gene, I'm so glad to see you back there. God bless you. It says in Ephesians 2 that we were saved to do the work that God has already prepared for us to do. And we've been doing that. You know, if you look back over the last 10 years, we've had beautiful harvest fests reaching out to the community. Beautiful egg hunts where all you guys volunteered. We had a great time. And then we had crossroads. And, you know, I, we're not supposed to be proud, but we, we went into three Bartlett grade schools yeah. and ran crossroad clubs. Now, I would guess there's not another church in the United States that runs more than one. And our little church was running three. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen. And we loved a lot of kids. And we planted a lot of seeds. Mm. Mm. And even today, we continue watering some of those seeds as we are able. Just this past year, some of our blessed members ran the e-learning center here. That's just great. So God's been using us. But, and this is a big but, you know, and nobody likes to have a big but. So uh, <laughs> some of these children hopefully have entered the kingdom. But as far as we know, they're not going. They're not coming here to worship with us. They're not being discipled as far as we know. We were hoping that some of their families would come and become part of our fellowship 
and that we could help them to become a disciple, the Lord wants them to become. But that hasn't happened yet. We're surrounded with young families in Bartlett, and we're just so much desiring them to become part of Alliance Bible Church. I wish we could put a sign outside, one of those electric signs. We've talked about it. You know, it could say something like, free love. Hmm. Well, maybe not free love, but uh, living water, <laughs> uh, life abundant, hmm. life eternal, hmm. you know, living, you know, the bread of life, all the good things we are participating in and appreciating and enjoying as believers, and we just, I think geographically, we are in such an awesome place. Hmm. With all that traffic, Stearns Road, passing by this little church in the hill, if they knew what was going on in here, hmm. if they knew what was available here hmm. through Jesus Christ, hmm. our parking lot would be filled hmm. because Jesus Christ can meet all of their needs, all the things they're struggling with, Jesus Christ can be uh, the answer to their needs. Uh, I think uh, this morning I want to read uh, a little bit of scripture that sent with what Alex was saying about crazy things we believe. Listen to this one. Peter just came in fishing all night. And Jesus said, Peter, I'd like to go out. Let your nets down again. I know you're tired. I know you've been working at this all night. I know you know your business. This is what you do all the time. But because I said so, would you go out? Go out one more time and let your nets down into the deep. And so they did. And you know the story. You know how their boats were overflowing with fish. They caught so many, they, they, the nets were breaking. And Peter fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Away from me, look, I'm a sinful man. They were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Amen. And so they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything hmm. and followed him. Hmm. God help us. Help us do that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So um, one of the things that we've been just discovering together is um, if we're called to participate in seeing people come to faith in Jesus, and that, and that coming to faith in Jesus is, is not just a, a moment of confession and, and um 
you know, acknowledgement of who Jesus is, not just that moment of accepting the Lord, but like becoming a part of the life that he has to offer, becoming a part of a church, right? Um, and, and then participating with that church and, and letting somebody disciple you and then uh, taking part in that mission with, with others, right? Like, um, if that's what it means, then there are a lot of really good things that we see at that church, but that, that is one of the things that we long to see that we're not currently seeing, right? So, so Phil, uh, just thank you for bringing that reality to us. Um, some symptoms of that problem. Over the years, attendance starts to go down, right? And then along with that, over the years, finances start to go down. Our temptation is to believe that attendance and finances are the problem, but attendance and finances are really only a result of the problem, which is um, we're not seeing people drawn to new life and then going and participating in that new life with our church. So, uh, so Phil, thank you for that. So that's kind of the, the, the mean butt that uh, Phil wanted to share with us. So I'm going to hand it over to Garth. Garth, can you talk to us a little bit about what we long to become? It's on. It's on. It's on. All right. Yeah, I got the orange microphone. Um, Herman told me this morning I look like a DJ with this thing. So... <laughs> It's not true, I'm not. <laughs> okay. Um, so we long to see more. Okay. What is that more? Well, think about it. We, we want to see people get saved. And if you've ever led somebody to Christ, you know that's one of the most exciting things that you could ever do in your life. And I've, I've led many people, but not enough. I want to lead more to Christ. I hope you do too. It's exciting. And then to see them grow in Christ through discipling and, and um, seeing their lives transformed. You know, not just barely saved sinners kind of person, but to be growing, maturing in Christ, and to see a level of maturity that is incredible. We want to see families transformed, healed. We know the problem with the families today is, you know, the divorce rate, um, just things going on like that that are not good. Uh, We think of single parents. We'd like to see single parents really find community with God's people and to find help, to find encouragement, to have help with their children, teaching their children. Um, These are the kind of things we want to see. We want to make a difference and an impact in our community. Uh, there's a phrase, um, it's called conversion community. And I thought Alex had coined that phrase for a couple weeks, but he didn't. But he, he picked up on it, and it's a really neat idea, a conversion community. So our church can be that. We can be a place where there is great conversion. Okay, so I'm going to share good news and bad news. Which one do you want first? Who wants the bad news first? Good, because that's what you're getting. Okay, bad news. All right. <laughs> so we know, I'm just rehashing, you know, at least over a decade, our church has been in decline, attendance dropping, membership dropping, uh, the funds dropping. Um, we're still doing okay, though. Don't Please don't worry. Um, 
but we see a trend, right? And see, this is bad news because research shows us that when you have a trend like that in a church over time, it may not happen this year or next, but eventually that church will end up closing their doors, and that's sad. Now, if they will end up normally closing the doors eventually, that is, if they do not change. So, if there is significant change, there is hope. Uh, and research shows it. There are just books and books written on this stuff today where churches, just like us, actually, let's be honest, church is way worse than the situation we're in. Because I got good news, too, and I'm going to tell you in a second. Just relax. <laughs> uh, uh, if nothing changes, that's probably what will happen. Uh, but we can make changes. That's the good news. All right. So here's some good news. First of all, this right here is an amazing church. Yes. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the people here. We have love here. Alex asked us, you know, the four months ago, um, he says, what would people say about our church? And to a person, we said, they would say, there's love. We love each other. And, um, you know, some churches are just filled with interpersonal problems. We don't have that here. We don't. I know personally, I feel loved here. I, I come in, I feel comfortable. Nobody's like on my case. Uh, <laughs> people, they, they like me and I like them. You know, that's sort of the feeling that we have here. And that's a great thing. So you say, well, okay, well, then what's the problem? Well, it's a good thing, love. <laughs> it shows that we're following Christ in that area. Uh, but this love can also make us feel happy and content. You know, you come in here and you're like, hey, this is great. I'm with my family again. And unfortunately, that also can lead us to almost a complacency. So we're happy here. We're, you know, you think of a baby in, in the mom's arms, snuggled in a blanket. They're just going to go there and fall asleep, right? Um, so we feel content. And we're here in our, our little love nest, and, and it feels great. <laughs> um, so what has to happen? Well, do you guys know who the Doobie Brothers are? I don't know if some of the young people do. I know my son-in-law and daughter do. Uh, <laughs> they have a song called Taking It to the Streets. I don't even know what the song is about, to be honest. It's... But I used to like the Doobie Brothers. But that's what we need to do. We need to take our love that we have, and we need to take it on the road. We need to take it to the streets, and we'll see God do great things. So we need to change. And just a little illustration here. This is very much like heart disease. Um, if it's caught early, heart disease, the doctor will tell you, hey, Change your diet, exercise, no smoking, um, take your Lipitor, right? I, I take my Lipitor and it works. There you go. 
but it's not enough. You have to exercise and diet as well. Unfortunately, we know from ourselves and also other people that we know, our family, the whole bit, people are presented with that choice with heart disease. You can either work on it and and live a life that's full of health and uh, good things and long life, or you can ignore it and it gets progressively worse. Um, Unfortunately, people often basically choose death over life. Why? Because they do not want to change. And that's always an, an issue that we face. Majority of people are unwilling to change. And so, really, that's kind of where we're at today. We have a choice before us. We can choose down this path of change and, and actually excitement, a path of like new things. All those things we desire, we long to see. I'm telling you, God's telling you, we can see those things. And so we need to be excited about change and not afraid of it. Uh, I was smiling when Phil was talking because I, this morning I thought of that same uh, parable with the fish. You know, it's not us. We look around here, you know, we say, what can we do? Yeah, but God can do amazing things with people who just obey him. So I'll leave you with that. Thank you. Are we, there we go. Um, so yeah, thank you, Garth, for sharing that. I think, so one of the questions that you're going to be inclined to ask is to go, okay, so what are we going to do? Um, this is the part where I said we don't, we don't actually know the next clear, I mean, we have a few ideas of some next steps, uh, but we did not plan on coming here to tell you exactly all the changes that we need to make and just say, okay, figure it out. We came here to say, we know that we've got to change. So if that's true, why don't we all come together and figure out what that change looks like? Um, so with that being said, there are, so we, we are aware that we need to change. We're not exactly aware of what it looks like. So there are a few changes that we are aware of, though. There are some things that we want to leverage. And uh, so with that being said, I'm actually going to turn it over to Nick. And Nick is going to talk to us a little bit about a particular um, aspect of our church. So, Nick. Just the mic test. Um, As... uh, Alex said is we as uh, the elders do not know exactly what the next steps are like we we see the downward trend we see that uh, we know that things need to change um, just among ourselves that we can be uh, some can be apathetic or we can just be comfortable um, and what do we need to do to change uh, statistically if you look outside this church of those who live in Bartlett and you look at statistically who we have in our very own seats, um, don't really match up the type of people. We don't have the young families with young kids going to school. We only have a handful of them, but we do have something. Um, We actually have anywhere between eight to 12 um, young people, or we'll call them young adults, myself and my friends, we've all grown up. Um, And yet we still go to the church, which is an anomaly, um, statistically. 
uh, why? <clears throat> well, that's a little bit more than we just like the church. Um, but what we would like to do, what the elders and we see is that we would like to cultivate that community and use that as a way of outreach. Um, we are closest to those um, outside these walls, and we, uh, something that many people like, especially after COVID, would be a sense of community and something to get involved with. And a lot of people simply don't have that. Um, the generation above me and my current generation, there's not very much for them to do. Um, so we are, and you guys may remember before COVID, there was a group that we had, it was called the 530, in which the young adults would get together um, on Sunday nights or Sunday evenings, and we would talk, um, we would do, we would fellowship, really, um, and we would have some good discussion. And so we'd like to take that similar idea and kind of change a little bit with a little more guidance um, and direction. Um, the three leaders, uh, Zeke, Tommy, and myself, are going to be meeting with uh, Alex and we're for over the next few months. And we're going to try to restructure and try to get some more training and understanding um, and come up with a, somewhat of a new 530 that will probably be be sometime in the fall when we'll actually start meeting because that's right now when we think things are going to go back to quote-unquote normal. Um, people would be okay coming out of their houses and being together and doing things. Um, the activities that we're going to do, even that isn't necessarily solidified. Um, but we are, <clears throat> the focus will certainly be outreach and fellowship. Um, among young people and so that we could invite our young friends, college age or older, or the Judson folk over there. Um, <clears throat> and uh, one difficult problem that we have for like young adults is like, what do you do with your kids? How is Alex and Andrea going to participate or will they? Um, we have some ideas um, and we would need your help. Um, to basically provide a place or be able to watch their kids while they participate in whatever we do. Um, you know, <clears throat> their young children or something to basically be able to preoccupy them long enough for, their ch for the parents to, uh, you know, do whatever it is, this community group. Um, but we, ha we are aware that that is, an, is a real stopper on people who want to get involved is like, well, I, how do I put two kids to bed? How do I get two kids and get away for an hour or two hours or something? Um, so we're working on it. <clears throat> so, but with that, it is something that we know that we can work on, um, something that we can develop um, as a way of community and hopefully bring more people to Christ and have real living relationships and also them, them to bring here to the church because we're the future. Um, we're pretty much, we have, when the torch gets passed on, it's going to be us and we need more people than just that to continue on. Yes. Amen. Uh, amen. Well, Nick, that was excellently articulated. Thank you for that. Um, I literally don't think there's anything that I could add to that other than if it sounds like 
we really like are unclear about certain things. It's because we are, right? As we were having these conversations, we, uh, there was an expressed desire among us to be transparent with what we had uh, as quickly as we could. Um, and so that's why, again, you know, like, are we going to have, you know, childcare? Is there a role for uh, people to play in that? Like, what does that look like? Again, there's just a lot of question marks. That'll, st- that'll be stuff that we start to hash out over the next few months. Um, but, uh, but we wanted to bring you into the conversation up to this point. So, so with that being said, I'm now going to hand it off to Pastor Don because there's like one other reality that we are aware of that we are going to start to shift as soon as we can. So Pastor Don's going to talk to us about that. One of the, uh, one of the things that uh, we face as a congregation is that inside the building, we are different from people outside the building. We use different language. We have different perceptions. We evaluate things differently. Back in the 1960s, a man named Francis Schaeffer wrote a little book titled Escape from Reason. In the first paragraph of the, uh, of the forward to that book, he said this, and I'm going to paraphrase. If a person goes overseas for any length of time, he'll have to learn the language of the people to whom he's going, if he wants to communicate. But it's important that he learn more than just the words, the syntax, the grammar. If he really wants to communicate, he has to learn what Schaefer called the thought forms of the people. Got to figure out how they think in order to really be able to communicate well. And uh, in the church, that might be the one thing that we've really failed on. Schaefer went on to, to say that it is the responsibility of the church in every generation to learn how to speak to the people to whom they're sent. Well, it's our responsibility to figure out how to talk to the world. And you know, you know just from your experience, just from what you see on the news, from what you hear on whatever radio station you listen to, whatever it is, you know that out there the world has some perceptions and concerns and that inside these walls our perceptions and concerns are different. I don't think they're really that much different. I really think that underneath all the language and all the, all the thinking and all the things that are going on out there and in here, the fact of the matter is people are people and they need the same things. They need to have a sense that justice is being carried out. Need to have a sense that people care about one another. People need to be loved. When they're hurting, they need encouragement. It doesn't matter which side of the walls you're on, inside or outside. Those things are common. 
And we carry a message that addresses all of those things. That message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that this broken world can be fixed. Or at least those of us in it who are broken. We can be repaired. But the challenge to us is, how do we speak outside to those who hear different things than what we're saying? And uh, what we'll end up doing, I believe, is uh, changing the way that we think of ourselves when it comes to meeting people outside the church. Um, but the questions that we're raising this morning are, what will that look like? I mean, in terms of the things we say, in terms of the things we do, in terms of the energy that we put forth out in the community, in terms of how we relate to people at the checkout counter at the grocery store, um, our insurance agents, our neighbors across the fence, at the backyard, across the street, um, you know, the, the person serving us at the coffee shop we go to, how will we be different? Um, so what will it look like in terms of our conduct, our conversations? What will it look like inside here? Will the building continue to look the same way? We don't know. We just don't know. We need to discover. And we'll be calling on you to help support that effort. Uh, if you remember, three years ago, uh, our previous senior pastor left, was called away to another location. And we spent a year praying together about the man or the leader that the Lord would bring to us. And uh, it took all of us working together in prayer for a year to land where the Lord wanted us to land. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for you to join with us. Because, yeah, we know certain things, but we just don't have the details all Sort it out. We need to be led by the Lord to land where he wants us to land. And that will happen best as you pray together with us, as you talk to us about what you think, as you tell us the things that you see that work out there, and as we basically revise what it means to be a Jesus follower in 2021 and as we adapt to different ways to deliver the same message. Um, so one of the things that you'll start to see even in um, our teaching at the church, you'll see it first specifically in preaching and we'll start to do this almost immediately. Um, so when I came on at the church, I, um, you know, there was questions about my preaching, and I said, I cannot preach a sermon 
uh, without talking about Jesus. It's just like, I, I, I don't have that in me. I can't just talk about information. I've always got to bring it back to Jesus. Um, that's why we are what we are, right? So that's like, that's just like something that will always be true about a sermon that Alex preaches. So one of the realities that, um, we become aware of is that, uh, you know, for this season that we're entering into, there has to be something else that will always be true about a sermon that Alex preaches here. Um, and it is, uh, I cannot preach a sermon without, um, training and teaching us how we can take that content that we are talking about on Sunday morning and use it as a tool to help us communicate to those who are not inside these walls, right? So, um, and, and really taking the idea of, you know, if each of us is called to be a discipler of people, how does the content that we develop here and work on not just be for us, but shape us to extend that to, to others. So uh, so that's something specific that um, I'll be learning how to hone even my own teaching for, uh, but that we're going to seek to see all of the teaching in the church kind of work towards that angle. How does this shape us to, to not just be people who receive something, but to be those who are extending something as well? Okay, so uh, you've heard that there are a lot of big question marks. There are a lot of possibilities about what could be. Um, just so you know, like we've we've discussed ideas about like might we replant the church? I don't know what does that even look like, right? Big question mark. Might we uh, change some specific things about what it means to be a member or a leader, right? Like, and all of these efforts that we would talk about making, all of these things have proven track records in other churches. Like, you, you look, it's stuff that's actually sanctioned by our denomination. Our denomination says, hey, if a church gets to a certain point, it's good for it to go through, you know, these series of processes. Um, but, again, we have big question marks uh, about what all of this looks like. So, what we do know, if we want to see real genuine Jesus renovation in this community, we cannot stay the same. Okay, so what? I have two so what's this morning. I can't preach a sermon without giving so what's also. (laughs) So what? Uh, Number one, for new life to arise, something has to die. Every person involved in this process, all of us together, we will have to make significant life adjustments. Like, and I'm talking beyond just organizational change, like beyond just what we do as an organization. We as individuals in this church will have to make significant life adjustments. We actually need to be renovated if we will be those who extend renovation. So, so as a church, what could this mean? As an organization, right? At the, the reality that we are a bunch of people together, what would this mean for us? It might mean a name change, might mean new ministries, might mean uh, adjusting the format of our worship service, it might mean restructuring existing ministries, it might mean uh, talking about discipleship training and really focusing in on what that looks like, it might mean reevaluating what it even means to be a member at the church, it might mean uh, reevaluating all of our leadership job descriptions and changing them, it might mean, uh, you know, us... Uh, Uh, redetermining, you know, leadership roles, all of this stuff. Like, as a church, there are, like, a list. I I could continue listing off things for you that it could mean, right? And I want you to know that all of those things are kind of on the table. I don't want to, like, not put anything on the table, 
right? But we, we don't know. That's what it could mean. As individuals, let me tell you what it will probably mean. It, it will probably mean us like changing who our social, who's in our social circles, changing who our friends are, reprioritizing our time so that we could actually focus on our time on spending time with the lost, uh, learning to keep our judgments about others to ourselves because that would create a barrier between us and them, becoming the best listeners in the whole world. Like what if our church, like in Bartlett, we were just the best listeners in Bartlett? Uh, living our day-to-day faith in a way that is visible to others, becoming super familiar with the gospel that we could see in the midst of anybody's lives that we're connecting with, we could see the way that the gospel connects to their lives with clarity, being so in sync with Jesus through our, our, our morning times, through our time with him, through our relationship with him, walking in the Holy Spirit, that, that when we walk and we encounter a person, we know what Jesus wants to say in those circumstances and how Jesus would act in those circumstances. So all of that would require us to let something die inside of us, something that we really want to hold on to. Whether it's, whether it's you know, church change, whether it's individual change, it requires us to let something die. So we're not here actually this morning to tell you all the things that have to die, Right? That's why we brought this to you now, right? We're, we're, we're talking about this. I'm here to prepare us all, every single one of us, even the people up here on the platform this morning, that we all have things that will have to die for new life to arise. So next Sunday is Palm Sunday. We're going to be focusing on the cross. And actually what's going to happen is that we are, in the middle of our worship service, going to carry a cross into our worship area uh, and then together during the service, we're going to lift it up there on the wall, and that will become a new fixture, and that will become a symbol to us as well of the things that have to die in order for us to see Jesus's life and renovation start to flow out of this place. And it'll be a reflection of the hope for a new life that Jesus will bring. So, uh, So that's the first thing. The second thing is, you heard Pastor Don talk about this. We need to pray for renovation by renovating prayer at ABC. So there's a cultural lie, and that cultural lie is this. Once you have reached a certain age, you're less important and can't make as big of a difference in the world. And I'm no stranger to the fact that, you know, This is not just a church full of young people, right? And you might be inclined to believe that lie and ask, okay, that's great, we're going in a new direction, but what can I really do? The most important thing that we have to do is pray. The most, if we make any changes without that coming out of a culture of prayer at our church, then those changes are all grounded in human effort and therefore bound to fail. The most important thing that you can do is pray. So there are so many potential pathways and strategies, right? We don't know what they look like. So what we need to do is we need to seek the Lord together to show us. We need to actually work together in prayer, which all of us can do, to see the Lord restore hope in this place, and and this is what we know. We know that there are dark spiritual forces at work in our community keeping the eyes of people shut to the hope of Jesus, and there are also dark spiritual forces at play keeping us from ever changing, 
right? And those things don't disappear without us seeking the Lord and seeking his power to drive those things away. So we need to pray. So uh, there are two next steps to prayer. First of all, so I handed out a bunch of stuff uh, on my way in, on sitting on the chairs next to you somewhere. Uh, uh, if you're online, you'll, I'll tell you about this in just a minute. The first next step is a commitment to daily personal prayer. So online, there's a button underneath this video that asks the question, can you pray? And that will take you to a form that you can fill out to make a commitment to both daily prayer and our monthly prayer night. Um, and then also there's a, a, another button that says weekly prayer guide uh, that will give you different verses to pray through each day. So, so what these forms are is that, first of all, we want you to commit a consistent chunk of time each day to praying for our church. So what we would love you to do is if you could fill out that form, uh, we would really appreciate it. If you're here in person, you can turn it in either by drop, dropping it in the offering box at the back or just turning it upside down on the table on your way out. That's the way you can turn that in. Um, but commit to a consistent chunk of time each day to pray. And then let us know what part of the daily schedule that you're going to be covering in uh, our church in prayer during. So, uh, so we would love it if you could do that. And then uh, the second commitment, the second next step, is that we are asking everybody to make a commitment to this event called Renovation. This is going to be a monthly night of prayer and worship together. So it's not just a, uh, not just a single event. It is a monthly, regular rhythm in the life of our church. So Pastor Don and myself have put together a time of corporate prayer that is built to shape us and help us call on God together to move us, uh, to help us see our next steps. So that's next Saturday, March 27th from 4 to 5.30 online and in person. So uh, online, you're probably wondering, how's that going to work? We're going to utilize our Sunday morning worship page, uh, and we will have ways of you being able to use the chat box and stuff like that to participate in the service. Um, so that's how that will work. You can, uh, you can use that to, to kind of, you know, be a part of what's happening here. So let me tell you about what we know. If the Lord does not build the house, the builders labor in vain. If we try strategies and ideas that are not born out of a culture of prayer, then, then they are doomed to fail. So today, we are asked for one significant next step. All of us together asked for one significant next step. Commit to praying with us for the future of our church. So at this point, we have like 10 minutes intentionally set aside for questions from all of you. And then uh, if you're like, oh, I can't really come up with questions right now. Um, I, I don't know. You know, we're all available via email. If you want to send me an email with questions, I'd love to help you process. But um, are there any questions that you all want to bring up or discuss? And we're happy to help with those. Uh, if you're sorry, just a second. If you're online and you want to ask some questions, I'm also going to go to the navigate to the chat box so you can ask some questions in the chat box, and uh, I will will respond to those as well. Go ahead.
To find joy in the commitment to doing that together. Yeah, that's good. Any other questions? Ariana. Okay. What a gift. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, for those of you who are online, Ariana just shared um, just how meaningful this community has been to her as a, um, just people, she's, a, she's obviously a younger person among us, but she feels like we're family to her and that we, we she just knows that we care for her. So, yeah. Yes. So if you're listening online, we have a woman here. Her name is Alicia, and she has she just shared with us um, that she feels like she's really found a, a church home here. So that's good. Hmm. What a blessing. Any other questions or, or comments? Well, crossroads, yeah. And for us, yeah, <laughs> I w- we might put Matt on the spot in just a second. I don't know, but uh, so uh, we are. There is a plan for a full re-entry into Crossroads, even if. So this is mostly for us, but also the hope would be for for churches across the nation and across the world that even if schools do not open back up, that churches would be fully committed to running a Crossroads program either in their building or in a local park or something like that. Now with all of that being said, we're we're really really hopeful that schools are going to be open for extracurricular activities, but there are a lot of question marks, right? So with that being the case, they they're um they're in a survey process right now of discovering which churches are actually going to commit to that, but I will let you all know that it is our heart and desire this year. In fact, 
Lombard Bible Church reached out to me and said, hey, we want to send like six people to help you with your Crossroads Clubs next year. So uh, yeah, that's super exciting. So we are fully committed to continuing Crossroads in the fall. Ariana. Yes. Um, so like I said, that is that, that list of things that I said, all of these things could change. Like if I could be really, really honest, that's probably one of the things that will change. And that's why I even talked about a name change. So I'll go ahead and share this. Um, our name doesn't really mean a lot to the people around us. So it means something to us, which is important, right? Because we love our denomination and we love the Bible, right? Like, and, and it's great to, to love the Bible and be a place that stands on the truth of God's word. But um, because a name is a very public functioning thing, we have asked questions that would make us ask, you know, is there a name that could more accurately convey what we hope to convey to the broader community about what, they can receive here, right? What we hope to extend. So, so again, I'm not saying we're going to do anything with that. I'm just saying it is a, a possibility that has come up in our discussions. Yeah. And along with that would be rebranding. Uh, you know that, and that is a uh, an arduous process that we would be working through for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, online. Thank you. Uh, did I understand correctly? I thought you said one option is relocating. So the Nowakowskis asked that. Um, so that's right. They, they live so close. That's why they're asking the question. <laughs> um, so I don't, I mean, I don't want to say it's really hard to say, you know, like, again, there are a lot of big question marks, but that's, to be something we're seriously pursuing in the near future, I would say no, right? It seems very unlikely unless we see like some massive financial windfall, right? Like the, the, the chances of relocating are pretty minimal, but I don't also want to say, no, we're not going to do that because, um, you know, I, I don't want to take anything off the table, uh, you know, if the Lord would lead us to do that. But again, in terms of likelihood, it seems pretty low. Uh, Tish, yes, our children miss Crossroads. They were touched by so many different, or sorry, this is Lisa. Our children miss Crossroads. They were touched by so many different people between other children and leaders. Yeah, so we're, we're definitely staying on with Crossroads. Tish asked, have we reached out to our district leadership and asked for their input? So yes, we have. Um, we have begun conversations with our district leadership. In fact, the, the first the very beginning of this conversation that the elders started having, uh, our district leadership gave us language and questions to begin interacting around those things. So we are very much in touch with them uh, and, and seeking their input and resources as we go along with this. You, ha you are pointing at something. Oh, that's distracting. I'm going to fix that. How long has that been happening? Oh, good. Okay. Oh. 
Okay, it'll be a different color. Let's just turn it off. That was fun. So, Tish, thank you for that question. Got another question over here? Yeah. Having some answers, yeah. Um, I wish I could say for sure that we did. Um, we're so, in my mind, we're so early in the process. Like, we could have started setting deadlines. and so, well, In fact, we had a conversation about starting to set deadlines, and then we said we should probably talk to the church about it before we start to do that. So that's all to say there are a few things. The things that we know for sure that we need to do um, those have deadlines on them, but in terms of what this means for all of us, like the bigger questions that we're asking, we don't quite yet have a timeline, so thank you for asking that. Peg? Uh, my question was, you know, just for planning purposes, to be able to put out, you know, some outreach events at least a few times period, yep. Right, earlier on in the process, rather than a month before scrambling to get everybody that we need and that kind of stuff, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I think part of, like, part of the changes that we'll have to make as well involve a very organizational reality to it, like a uh, very... Um, just planning and structure and that kind of stuff. Like, so, um, so yeah, with our events, making sure that those get on the calendar and that we have, we have like timelines to go up to those events so that we have different marking points and landmarks. And yeah, I think that's good. Thank you, Peg. Any other questions? All right, excellent. So um, I have asked. Don and Garth to lead us in prayer, and then after I lead us in prayer, we'll stand and uh, receive a word from the Lord, and then we will dismiss. So would you guys lead us in prayer? Church, can we pray together, please? Hello? Okay. Gracious Father, we uh, thank you for bringing us right here. And um, this is truly a, a crossroads for us. And we have to acknowledge that you have the perfect plan and that we're really very, very thankful. Father, thank you for what you've done in this church. Thank you for the love that we've been talking about. We thank you that... Um, Father, that we know love never fails. And so, Father, we pray that you would do the work in us that you started in each one of our lives. When we received Christ, it was a new journey for us, Lord. Finish the work in each one of our individual lives. Father, we want to surrender to you and let you work. 
And the same for um, our church. Father, this church was began with no doubt much uh, excitement and energy. People really sacrificed their time, their blood, sweat, and tears, and money to grow this church, to build this building, to acquire this land. And Father, so you no doubt had, Lord, amazing plans for this place. And so, Father, here we are. Um, Nothing's a mistake uh, to you, Lord. You know everything. And so you brought us here at such a time that now, Lord, uh, as a church, we are surrendering to you 100%, Lord. We ask you to have your way. We ask you to do what you choose, what you desire. Father, we want to be on board with your desires and your will. Father, we pray uh, that there would be many, many people saved and many lives restored and healed and blessed. And Father, we pray for the joy uh, to be co-laborers with you. Father, we commit ourselves to you and thank you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, when we pray, we ask a lot. And you command us to do exactly that. But in this prayer, Father, uh, we want to make a declaration as well. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And we want to make this declaration that though he was lifted up quite literally and suspended between heaven and earth, that we will lift him up figuratively, that we will magnify him, that we will shine the light on him, that we will focus on him and keep him foremost in all that we say, all that we teach, all that we do, and in all the things we consider. At the same time, Father, uh, we commit ourselves to this, For we know that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And so, Father, we will look to you to be the one who guides us. Lord, unleash your Holy Spirit to lead, to teach, to guide. Open our eyes, open our spiritual ears to hear, to sense where it is that he leads us. Give us courage to follow after. And Father, uh, we stand up here right now because we recognize that all that it will take to be what you're calling us to be and all that it will take to do what you're calling us to do is not in the five of us. But it is in all of your people according to the way that you have made us and gifted us, according to our personalities, our temperaments, our talents, 
And according to the way that you lead each one of us, according to the people that you lead into our lives. And so we are asking and committing. Number one, the five of us, not just to be out there issuing orders, but all of us saying, let us hear from you and listen to one another. Depend on you. Depend on one another that you might build your kingdom in the hearts of people inside this building, outside this building, in Bartlett, the surrounding communities, to the ends of the earth. It's in the name of Jesus that we ask this. Glorify yourself.